0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, last week we asked the question, do you believe in miracles? Remembering how the United States hockey team defeated the USSR in that Olympic Games, which was completely unexpected and upset. And then we saw how Zacharias and Elizabeth were even more of a miracle, more unpredictable, more unlikely odds that the wife who was barren for her whole life and in their old age could now bear a child. But today we ask that question again, do you believe in miracles? To see that there's an even greater miracle that God is doing. When you compare Zacharias and Elizabeth to Mary, you see some contrasts. Zacharias is serving in the temple in Jerusalem, and Mary is living in a village in Galilee. Zacharias was a prominent man, honored and upheld among the people, but Mary was a lowly woman from a mostly unknown lineage. Zacharias was elderly, He was married and his wife was barren, but compare that to the young single virgin who's going to bear a child. When Zacharias hears the news, he says, how will I know this? What will the sign be? When Mary hears, she says, how will this happen? With even more confidence that she believes and she's wondering how the Lord is going to work it out zacharias and elizabeth gave birth to a baby child after nine months and he was john the baptist and john the baptist came preaching that there was one greater than him a greater miracle than john the baptist whose sandals he wasn't even worthy to strap and he said he must increase but i must decrease and that's the meaning of all christianity of all faith, of all that we are as a church, is that there's a greater miracle, and he must increase so we can decrease. The sermon today is about Luke's second profile, the profile of Mary. Mary, the mother of the Savior, who could be a more important figure in the history of mankind, aside from Jesus himself, than the one who gave birth to him. And yet she's the one who keeps decreasing in humility and lowliness to honor the Lord for what he's doing. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says in her song, which means like a magnifying glass. It makes God bigger. And our sermon today is about making God bigger while we become smaller And that all joy in our lives is going to be found in that truth. But we have a problem with this. Humility means allowing God to be in charge. Allowing him to do what he's going to do without us sticking our nose into his path. Just listening and trusting But our problem is we would rather speak, we would rather be in control. We're trying to get a handle on things when it's spinning out of control. And it's hard for us to just let God handle it. Getting your hands on God is like trying to possess the whole beach in the palm of your hands as you scoop up the sand. You're gonna scoop it all up into your hands. Or trying to take the ocean And gather it up into your arms. We can get a grip on a small portion, a handful of sand that is even, as we speak, slipping through our fingers. But it's never the whole thing. We can say we have the beach or we can say we possess the ocean. But it's never true. It's only by a miracle that we can even comprehend that God is bigger than us. And that's why God has to humble us to do unexpected things that shock us. And we say, that's not what I expected, or that's not how I would have done it. Every time I've had to force myself to give up or stop trying to figure things out, it feels like that grain of sand slipping through my fingers or trying to swim in the ocean and realizing it's just too big. And that's what happened to Mary. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, it shocked her. It terrified her. He says, greetings, O favored one. Why would such a greeting terrify Mary? Mary. For God to send an angel and say, God favors you? Why would that terrify any of us? Well, it terrifies her because she knows who she really is by nature. She is not a holy being. She is not deserving of God's favor. And who among us could be? This is the problem we run into when we expect God's favor in our lives. Even when we call it grace, and we expect it's going to always be there for us. When we expect his forgiveness, the psalm says, With the Lord there is forgiveness so that he may be feared. Not so that we can think, We deserve it again and again and again. And Mary does not expect the grace. She does not say that she expects the Lord to favor her. The message of the gospel has got to shock us into humility and the fear of the Lord. The word that the angel uses is charis, a word which means is translated into grace. Grace is something that has to find us. We don't find it. It's there when we don't expect it. It comes from God and it changes our lives in miraculous ways so that a child could be conceived in the womb of a virgin. It has to shock us when we hear these things. We're there prepared. Joseph was betrothed to Mary this is like an engagement, a formal binding agreement between a husband and his wife that they would get married. But during that betrothal period, there was a time of waiting, of abstinence. They were not going to come together as husband and wife, and they were going to wait till the marriage was complete. Wait until they get the home ready, they get their futures in order, and God puts everything into place so they can say the vows and have it be complete. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Whatever Mary and Joseph thought their life was going to be, it was now changed. Whatever they imagined that their marriage, their future, their two kids and their white picket fence, their career and their retirement were going to become, God changed all that. He upended and turned it upside down. Because everything was going to be different. They were going to raise the Messiah. And not publicly. They were raising royalty in secret. Hiding him in lowliness. Not marching into Jerusalem trying to claim riches, power, fame. They had the future king in their care. And yet they don't boast about it to the world. It would be a terrifying mission that Mary and Joseph were on. A secret mission with great danger. The book of Revelation says that there was a dragon waiting for this child to be born. Anticipating and ready to swallow the child. Mary knew she would have to face this threat. And she knew that the only thing she could do for that child was raise him up and pray that she couldn't protect him from all the evil that was going to come upon him, from all the afflictions and the betrayal and the death and crucifixion. There was a sword that had to go through her own soul as she watched her child reach his destiny. Only a humble faith can accept this without trying to control it. The power of the highest overshadows her means that God is taking over. It's a unique description. In ancient religions, they did talk about the gods visiting this world and giving birth to children. But it never used this kind of language. This language in Luke is completely unique in the vocabulary that he's using to describe the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. It's unlike anything else. God is creating life and filling her with the Holy Spirit, just like in the temple in the Old Testament. God would fill the temple with his presence. God was now filling Mary with his dwelling. So, do we believe in miracles? We also experience a miracle, a birth inside of us. There's a hymn we sing at Christmas time. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. For every believer who has the Holy Spirit, we experience that birth in us. Something growing, something maturing, something reaching the goal that God has in mind and yet it's done in secret. We can't boast of it. We don't come to claim our royalty or our right or our privilege among all the Christians in the church, but we accept it with humility and lowliness that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve this favor, but God does it anyways. In fact, it should terrify us at first that God would visit us with a holy message to say, That he's going to do something inside of you? That's a shocking thing. And yet, God reveals that overshadowing of the Spirit is going to accomplish a miracle. The Messiah comes to comfort us, and the messenger says, Do not fear. God is gracious, and he has chosen you. we can only marvel and be in awe that we should be chosen. To leap for joy, like John the Baptist did at this news, and to join Mary in the song that she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord. The Latin title for this is the Magnificat, which means to make something bigger than you already think it is, like a magnifying glass this song makes God even bigger than we first thought. That in this lowliness of Mary, the unlikely odds of her, of her humble estate to be chosen, she says, from now on, all generations will call me the blessed one. For he who is mighty has done great things and holy is his name. The Magnificat is a song or a poem that's crafted so that we would think back to the Old Testament with all of that language that comes through from the Old Testament and God's continuing reliability. When all circumstances looked like they were falling apart for God's people, God was always reliable. And at the time when Mary's singing this about God triumphing over his enemies, they're looking around and seeing nothing but Romans everywhere. Romans in charge. Romans ruling. Romans crucifying. And at the time that Jesus would be put on the cross, how could we possibly say God is triumphing? But that's how God works. That's how God scatters the thoughts of the proud. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts because the proud don't think about this. The rulers, the priests, the rabbis, the rich. They don't imagine a king who would come this way. One who would not claim the riches or not claim the power or prestige. A king that would be born to a lowly family. A king unlike any other. No, they imagined a king that they would give birth to. A marriage that they would arrange. A family that they would choose. A king like Herod, who comes from another family outside of God's people, who only has gotten to power because he partnered with the Roman government to get elected. But out of that secret mission of God, Joseph and Mary give birth to this child. Which is why Paul writes that God chooses the foolish things of this world to bring down the wise. He regards the unwanted as the things that he wants. He has helped his servant Israel, Mary says. Do you believe in miracles? So Martin Luther, preaching on this text, said that there's three miracles here. The first miracle is that God would become a human. That truly is a great and astounding miracle. The second miracle is that a virgin would give birth. How amazing is that? But God can do what he wants, and he has the power to do it. But the third miracle is the greatest of all, is that Mary should believe it. Amen.